0: You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Welcome back. um, This part's going to be a bit of finishing off this section around offerings, around sacrifices, or at least this section on it. It's also a couple of disclaimers I want to talk about, a couple of questions I've had, um, a couple of things I want to address that may be... um, how do I say, like uh, maybe stopping you from diving into this more fully. One of the major things that um, people have said to me around this series and around Leviticus is what's with all the killing of animals? We have this loving, supposed loving God and then all this recipe, all this methodology, all all this order found in Leviticus has this slaughtering of animals. And in one part, I can never fully contextualise it fully because I don't live three and a half thousand years ago. I can tell you that the tribes next door, there's kind of this underlining idea that we kind of are meant to know if we read the full picture of the Bible, that, that next door is probably upgraded from sheep and cattle and are trying to please their God through the sacrifice of people or through... Wars or through yeah the, the various corrupt and gross ways, and so one part the contextualised of just an animal is quite progressive. The other part I want to address is there is a an argument to be made that these people growing up it says they knew this they had to pick these lambs they had to pick these animals that were out. Spot or blemish. So their most favourite animal, that was their livelihood, by the way. Um, so it's a massive sacrifice. This is not something that was easily or fun fun to do or, or is about just herding animals for the sake of it. This was like somebody selling their hard-worked business or selling an element of their business. Or for us, I know it's like giving a amount of money that actually hurts and costs us out of worship. This hurt this cost. This was not something taken lightly. And the fact they knew they were that blemish meant they knew these animals. These are in the tribe. these are around. Their kids likely played with these lambs. They had relationship with these things, these animals this creation that they were actually sacrificing. So in a very spiritual, sacrificial way of taking these animals' life, as a sacrifice and as a way of reconciling their relationship with God and each other, after relationship, sacrificing the money that could be made, the food that could be provided, after understanding the deep, spirituality of this who's more primitive the guy going through drive-through and getting a McChicken burger <laughs> from an unnamed animal that was grown in an unnamed farm that we had no relationship with i certainly have never seen an animal die let alone spiritually grown one, had relationship with one. upon eating my burger, I have no idea, no name, no sacrifice. Who's more primitive as I bite down on that burger? Even if you're a vegetarian, the destruction to our habitats, our planets, our planets, our planet, animals. Destruction as we go to write on that bit of paper, that bit of plastic, not condemning us, I'm just saying, who are we to judge a holy group of people that grew these things, out of relationship? Who's more primitive? Who's more disconnected to what's really going on? I don't know. It's up to you, but just something to consider before we go, "Oh, I can't believe they did that. Yeah. What if they'd look at us and go, I can't believe how disconnected you are, we are, from what's actually going on from our planet, from creation, from our seasons, from our animals? I don't know. But something to consider as we take advice from this ancient people and their ancient divine rhythms. So where we are in the series is we've been looking through these five sacrifices where we realise that God's first thing he gives to a disordered, um, disconnected people in order to connect them back, to order them in his holy ways. We know that the first three are about gratitude and worship and then the second two are about repentance and reflection. And I wanted to try and convince you why we should take on a practice of repentance and reflection My first reason was it grows our relationship with God. It transforms us. Our second reason is it transforms our community. We talked about last week, reconciling our relationship with each other, being excellent to each other. And then my third and final reason today, not final for the series, we're going to continue on into Leviticus, but my third reason that a rhythm of repentance and reflection is important. Number three is it grows our relationship with ourselves. I feel a bit gross even saying that. sounds so self-helpy or new agey or something, but it's true. It's true. It's true though. A a rhythm of repentance and reflection grows our relationship with ourselves. What do I mean by that? We're not God. We can't do everything. We can't be everything. We don't know everything everything we are human we need rest we feel sad we feel lonely we feel unloved we need help sometimes we need jesus this is perhaps the most therapeutic thing a person can know that their expectation in life on someone else or themselves is not fixed or made whole by anything else than by jesus it's as if dying to ourselves and our expectation has an unexpected result that we may actually find new life. A practice of admitting you make mistakes, reflecting on these things, means you live to make and grow and build another day. Or, as Jesus says it, Matthew 16, 15, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Admitting that you're not the answer means you will find the answer, according to Jesus, in Jesus. Releasing those expectations of ourselves, releasing the guilt. This need to prove or save, this pride will make us free, free to respond fully, actually free to find life. Psalms 10.4 says this, In his pride the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts there is no room for God. (laughs) What a struggle. This lack of repentance is a direct block to God. If we're thinking about ourselves all the time, all our mistakes, all our wins, how we're going to fix it, Doesn't leave much room for God finding His life, participating in His plan. I get it, it isn't easy though. It's way easier to be distracted, move on, go to the beach. As we spoke spoke about last week, group work, reflective work, admitting we're wrong sucks. Like anything, the effort is worth it for all three of these points. All I can say on the back of the last three points is that Jesus is literally saying that in this upside-down kingdom, you will find life. You will find rebirth. You will find reconciliation. You will start to build love, joy, peace and patience within your life. It's an invitation to develop a rhythm of repentance and reflection. So what does it look like practically? I think as churches and leadership in different churches, in my own church, we need to find and explore ways to create, to give permission, to protect the vulnerable, but permission to be authentic, to permission to be broken and to come and worship and create spaces that we can worship and connect in those ways. Individually, I get it, as we've said in your series, it's up to you. But I think it's about being leader in your own space, leading your life wherever it is. Your pastor can't tell you how to do this or make you do this. It's about finding your own rhythms and actually leading your life in a way that fully surrenders yourself in worship in church and in the quiet places, on your knees. I can only tell you about my reflection after going through this series, about my rhythms this year, in in order, as we've been saying, to have a holy, set-apart, set-up year. Uh, A couple of rhythms for me. Uh, One of these is, for me personally, actually, I've been feeling I need to surrender this year. I love to do a good job. But I felt at the end of last year I needed to repent to God and stop trying, stressing, or letting it get too much for me if it doesn't go how I planned. I need to let go of some things. It was my personal reflection as I repented after last year and went into this year. that I, If things aren't perfect or excellent in some different areas, it's okay because <laughs> God is excellent in all areas and so it's not about being lazy it's not about dropping the ball in areas but it's sometimes passing on that ball to god the only one who i can let go of and that was a massive thing for me and still is so on a practical level I've, as a part of that and a couple of things i want to do i want to develop a friday afternoon rhythm i've called it where i am I'm not trying to brag by this, just trying to give an example of what this might look like, what I'd love to hear from you. But Friday afternoon, I'd really like to, what I do here at the church building here, at at 2 p.m., our op shop closes. Things quiet down and I I like to walk around our church and pray and give the Sunday to God. This allows me to properly rest with my family and God on Saturday, but let go of some things that I can't control. I don't know what it looks like, but there's always something. So I'm not stressing all Saturday about Sunday. And letting it go to God, being fully prepared, but letting it go to God. So I pray at the church. But then, what I'd actually like to do and what I want to start doing is then head to a coffee shop at about 3 p.m. and for half an hour, write down and journal about my week where I failed, where I messed up, what I could have done better, and what I really found was fruitful. And after I maybe repent, say sorry if I need to, say sorry to God. Maybe some other people, maybe fix that up. And then permission to make these mistakes. Talk about next week. Write down some goals for next week on how I can do better. It's really simple. And you might be like, yeah, okay, Steve. (laughs) But the reason is and it was discussed over the last few weeks. I'll hopefully be reminded and refreshed by, by the increasing relationship with God hopefully strengthen relationships with each other and hopefully understand myself even better. In every way, I'm hoping that God will build something through me and through you through this practice of repentance and reflection. What's it look like for you? We honestly want to know. We honestly want to hear those listening and following this, what their creativity and their inspiration about what works for you as a habit of reflection, of repentance. Uh, comment it below if you're watching this video or email us at our details on our website or if you see and you're part of our local community, come tell us, come talk about this. This is a type of conversation I want to have over coffee. Consider a habit, a rhythm of reflection and repentance. Hey, I'm looking forward to um, keep journeying through this book with you next week in the next part as we continue to explore these ancient ancient rhythms and how they apply to us today three questions i want to ask yourself again what rhythms of reflection and repentance what rhythms of reflection and repentance can you place in your life this year what rhythms of reflection and repentance can you place in your life this year what ways Can you develop your relationship with God, each other, and yourself? What ways can you die? Maybe a better way to say, what things is God asking you to die to so that you can find life? Let's go with that one. I like the wording on that. What ways can you die to yourself more to find new life in Christ? And number three, who can help you be accountable to this? Who's your community? Who's your people? Who's your encourages and your challenges. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed it today, hit like. Um, it just helps us be seen by more people and share it around if you want to encourage someone, if you found it encouragement for you, and subscribe so you can keep journeying through this Leviticus series together. Thanks, see you next time.